Today we are finishing up the Spirit of series, and we've talked about the Spirit of hope, and the Spirit of promise, and the Spirit of truth. And today we're talking about the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. And if I had to summarize my thoughts today in just one sentence, it would be, a humble heart is a hearing heart. So tell your neighbor, and you might have to yell it a little louder, tell your neighbor a humble heart is a hearing heart. Do it. Whoa, try it again because, I don't know, a little, little weak. But you know what? Try it again. A humble heart is a hearing heart. Nice. All right. So in Ephesians 1, I have this scripture to read. He's, Paul sent this letter to his friends at the churches in Ephesus. And this is what he said. See if you wouldn't want to receive a letter like this. Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Wouldn't you love to receive a letter talking about you like that? Now, if I were to ask you, who wants to know God better, how many people do you think would raise their hand? Thank you, everybody. <laughs> but that's why I'm not going to ask a question. Because somebody might not be paying attention and they might not raise their hand. And they'd be like, why isn't that person raising their hand? And everybody starts talking and then we're not going to do that. Instead, I want you to tell your neighbor that you want to know God better. Not, not me, you. You need, you want to, oh my goodness, is this the first time we've ever done this before? You want to know God better. Tell your neighbor, I want to tell, know God better. <laughs> All right, we got, maybe we just try that again later sometime. Um, <laughs> we all want to know God better, but are we willing to look at ourselves first? to make that happen. Because the spirit of wisdom and revelation won't settle in our hearts until we've taken a good, long look and sometimes painful look at ourselves. And all the people said, I'm out. <laughs> because sometimes that can be hard looking at ourselves, isn't it? But first, about this here book. Everything you need to know about God will be found right here in the Bible. But admittedly, it's not always easy to understand. In fact, there are some things in here that are confusing. Amen? Things that are surprising and things that are downright unbelievable. Even Jesus said some things that were confusing or surprising or downright unbelievable. And now before I get every, anybody upset, I, I just want to make sure you know that I believe in this book, every single word of it, and we love this book here at this church. The words in here are life. And in fact, the path to eternal life is charted out in this book. So isn't a, a book wor with words of life worth spending some time in? 
Shouldn't we at least try to sort out the confusing, surprising, and unbelievable parts? And the answer is yes. If you're having trouble understanding, maybe, maybe you need wisdom and revelation that only the Holy Spirit can provide. Because the truth is in here. Always present, but sometimes hidden on the other side of a curtain or blurred lens. Unable to be seen or understood. And as Pastor Pat and Pastor Julie said from the treehouse, God uses the Holy Spirit in many different ways to reveal the truth found in here. Including our parents and teachers and pastors and Bible commentators. We call that illumination and or revealing. And it's what Paul means when he says revelation in Ephesians 1. It's like opening a curtain or focusing a camera lens so that now we can see things clearly. And it's how God helps us understand what is written in the Bible and how it applies to us. When I was interviewed to get hired on here more than 13 years ago in the children's ministry, I met with Pastor Annalie Dunn and we talked back and forth about what my job would entail and what my experience was and then we began talking about the Bible. And since I grew up in the church and listened to a lot of Christian radio, I was quite confident in my vast knowledge of the Bible. So I told her, I pretty much have a good understanding of the Bible. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I saw her hold back a smirk. But thankfully, she was gracious. And after I came on staff, I soon realized there was so much more I had to learn about this book and what it had in it. And even still, every time I open the book, it seems I discover I know less than the last time I had it open. The depths of the truths in here are immeasurable. So to some, the idea of searching for hidden truths in the Word of God sounds very exciting, even thrilling. And for the person who wants to know God better, it is exciting and thrilling to dive into the Bible and spend time learning more about Jesus. But to others, trying to understand the confusing, surprising, downright unbelievable parts can be very frustrating. Some give up and even walk away from the faith because of it. And I appreciate the frustration, but, but I want to tell you, stay with it. I want to encourage you to not give up. Reach out to others to help you understand, or, or try another translation, one that can make it easier to, for you to understand. Still others simply believe that they don't need to spend time in the Bible. Either they don't have time or they don't see its relevance. Busyness or indifference takes precedence and pulls us away from the things of God. Which of these people are you? Maybe you're a combination. Maybe you've spent time as each. Maybe these, none of these ring true with you, but the fact is how you view the Bible and how you view God has a lot to do with the condition of our heart. I've spent time as each of these people, the excited one, the frustrated one, and the indifferent one. Oh, yes, throughout my life, maybe, maybe like you even right now, I've had my time drifted away from God and, and his word for many reasons, but 
I've been truly grateful for every time I've found my way back and opened it for the first time again. So the struggle we humans have with our heart, what we have with the relationship with Jesus and with the relationship of, with our Bible is real. The struggle is real and it's widespread. So often we get so short-sighted and so concerned about ourselves, our well-being and what we're comfortable with. We wind up missing out on what God wants to reveal to us through this precious book. But sometimes there isn't much of a struggle. <laughs> In fact, it's quite the opposite, meaning there's no struggle at all. Because when we become so self-sufficient, so comfortable in our comfortable lives, we find ourselves without a need. Everything is fine, and we don't need anything. Not even God, we don't. And this, my friends, is the way we get our blurry vision, even here in America. I mean, I love this country, even with all of its faults. And I'm sure you do too, but this is the land of plenty. And affluence, the pursuit of money, can blur our vision, preventing us from knowing God better. The misconception that one group is less than another can blur our vision, preventing us from knowing God better. Vast knowledge can blur our vision, preventing us from knowing God better. And it's true. We, we can stumble through life with blurry vision, but it's so much easier to do it with our vision and focus. These ver vision blurrers are count and countless others are just various forms of pride. Major pitfalls for us humans. My point is, blurred vision can deceive the sweetest, kindest, most well-intentioned people to believe that the lie that they don't need God. Or best, God is an afterthought. Something you maintain in your peripheral vision of your life. And that, my friends, in the words of Kenny Loggins, is going to take you right into the danger zone. Let's see what Jesus has to say on the matter of revelation. Now, my point on all of this is not to condemn. It's not to bring us down. In fact, this hope, hopefully this message is going to reveal some important truths and wonderful information that you may never, never have thought of, and that is a humble heart is a hearing heart. Thanks. Good memory. So in Matthew 11, this is what God, Jesus is saying to God as he's talking to his heavenly father. Matthew 11, 25, 26. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding and revealed them to little children. Lest, Father, for so it pleased you well. Some of you might be saying, what? Maybe you never even read that verse before. Jesus, so I think it's worth reading again. You have hidden 
those thing, these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you, heard it, you read it correctly. God's hidden things from wise and understanding people and revealed them instead to little children. Why would he do that? Why would he keep stuff from the smart people and then make it plain to kids? No offense, kids. Right there, I'm with you. Put a pin in that question. I'll answer it in a minute, but I'll explain what I mean by a humble heart is a hearing heart. But let's fast forward a little bit all the way to Matthew 13. And Jesus has had a full day of speaking to the crowds, both plainly and in parables. And for those of you who don't know, a parable is an interesting and compelling story with a hidden mystery, like the wise and foolish builders. The wise man built his, his house on the rock, and the foolish man built his house on the sand. And inside that parable, there's a hidden mystery. And here's what's neat about that, that God reveals the meaning of those mysteries to the listener or reader through, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So included on those, in those crowds were the Pharisees and the scribes. And these people who were extremely knowledgeable of what the, was in the ancient Jewish writings, and many of which are part of our Old Testament today. They also struck some deals with the treacherous Roman government who ruled over them. And these deals gave these scribes and Pharisees and priests a certain level of safety and comfort during their very scary time for the Jewish people. When Jesus began his ministry, these Pharisees, scribes, and teachers of the law, they started out to be curious and a bit skeptical. But as Jesus' ministry expanded and his popularity increased, they became very aggravated and actually believed Jesus was threatening their comfortable, very neatly arranged lives. And to be clear, he was. Jesus was out to disrupt the lives of these comfortable, prideful people. And he's out to disrupt our lives too. Of course, for our benefit, if we let him. I think we've all had a taste of disruption lately, don't you? You think God can use disruption of a worldwide pandemic for, for our benefit? Do you think he could use it for our growth and for his glory? You bet he can. So after a long day of teaching the crowds, Jesus and his friends had a chance to take a breath. And they asked Jesus, why do you speak in parables? And this is what Jesus said, Matthew 13. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. In some translations, it's calloused heart is rendered as a hard heart or stubborn. 
So for the longest time, uh, these verses bothered me. They might even bother you too. And we're getting into the tough section of the message, but I need you to stick with me as I attempt to reveal to you what's going on here. Because remember, a humble heart is a hearing heart. Awesome, great memories. So like I said, these verses bothered me. But then, for one, I remembered that God is sovereign. Which means because he's God, because he made it all, he has the ultimate final say about what happens. God chooses what's revealed and to whom it's revealed. And that's the first point. And it's an important point. The second point is this. Although God's sovereign, when it comes to God revealing or not revealing, we play a surprisingly large part in whether things are revealed to us or not. But look carefully at the Matthew 11 passage we read earlier, and I'll show you what I mean. And I'm going to show it to you in the the New Living Translation this time, because it gets to the point quicker than I would, trying to explain it. This is how it renders it. O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Now, hopefully, things are starting to make a little bit more sense, especially when we consider that Jesus, the skeptical, had, Jesus had the skeptical, aggravated, and threatened Pharisees in mind when he said, those who think themselves wise and clever. Really, Jesus had in mind anybody who was prideful and thought they knew it all and believed they were self-sufficient. But what did he mean by the childlike? And actually, originally, this letter was written in Greek. And the word here points to small child or a baby. What are the attributes of a small child or a baby? Okay, we're going to try this again. What do you, what is, does anybody have an idea? What, 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 what is the attribute of a small baby? What? Naive? Needy? Innocent. Good. I, got, I have humble. I have lowly. They can't take care of themselves, can they? They need somebody to take care of them. They need, they're dependent, they're reliant. They need their parents. So obviously in his praise to the Heavenly Father, Jesus sets up a contrast. The proud, well-educated, knowledgeable Pharisee versus Jesus' followers. Anybody who is under, sixth grade and under, stand up in here. Sixth grade and under. If you are a sixth grader or younger, come on, don't be shy. It's only going to be for a minute. All right, see, look at these young folks here. We got them all over. They need, they can, they can take care of themselves, right? They can take to an extent. But the younger we go, the less that these kids can take care of themselves, right? You can be seated, thanks. Thanks for being brave. Those kids, and when it speaks about being childlike, it represents Jesus' followers, his disciples, The common man and woman who were hungry for the truth. They were in great need, needing to be healed. They were blind, demon-possessed, 
hurting, desperate, broken, lost people. Sometimes they were sinners, and they were sinners needing forgiveness. They all came to Jesus humble, dependent, and needy. And that was exactly how Jesus wanted them to come to him. And it's how he wants us to come to him. Childlike, humble, and dependent on God. Am I making this stuff up? (laughs) No. Because what did Jesus say to his disciples in Matthew 18? After they were arguing amongst themselves, who of them was the greatest? He, He pulled a child to his side. And he said, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom. That's what Jesus said. And this kind of upside down thinking was prevalent throughout Jesus' teaching. And it's what infuriated the proud, comfortable Pharisees. But if there's something that the Bible is, it's a mirror. And if we aren't wanting to be challenged, don't look in it. Just keep it closed. But if we are wanting to get to know God better, like I asked at the beginning here, we must have a humble, dependent heart. We have to be willing to look at ourselves. And we have to bravely peer into these reflective pages to discover which category we're in. The prideful, self-sufficient Pharisees or the humble, childlike, dependent on God. I want to share with you something that's been heavy on my heart as I've been preparing to speak to you this morning. I truly felt impressed by God, especially as I read these verses in Matthew 13. So let me read them to you again. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. I mentioned before that these verses bother me. But they also began to stir something inside of me as I read it again and contemplated those words. I felt the Lord revealed to me that he's saying... They don't see a need for me. Ooh. And when you read those verses, that's basically what he's saying. God's heart suddenly came into focus, and I finally understood what was being communicated in those verses. God was saying, because they don't see a need for me, I'll simply withhold my revelation from them. And prevent them from seeing me. And this is what I meant when I said earlier that our actions greatly determine God's revelation or illumination. If it actually makes it to us. It's all about the condition of our heart. Do you have a humble heart? Then yes, then great. Because a humble heart is a hearing heart. Or do you have a proud and self-sufficient heart, then there's some work to do. God said they don't need, they, 
God said, they don't see a need for me. But we all have a need for God, don't we? Do you see a need for God in your life? Do you see a need to hear from him? And this question points back to what I asked at the opening. And Do you want to know God better? I mean really. There are so many ways that we can be pulled away from God. Money, our career, sometimes even our family, our aspirations, stuff, the pursuit of stuff. So many ways that pride can show up in our lives. You know your struggle with pride, and I have mine. But they serve to blur the vision to God's revelation. Consider this question carefully. Do you want to know God better? And I'll say it again. Jesus set up this contrast in Matthew 11. The proud, intelligent, self-sufficient versus the humble, the reliant, longing for a Savior, hungering for the truth. And this is the battle we're in. And God is watching over it all And he's asking, do they see a need for me? I know this because the writer of Psalm 14 says this, the Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. I hope he isn't asking it about me. Because I desperately need him. How about you? Friends, we are now more than ever in great need of a move of the, of, of the Holy Spirit. But first, in our own hearts. That's where it has to start. Over the past few weeks, we've been talking about the spirit of hope, the spirit of promise, and the spirit of truth, all these attributes of the Holy Spirit. Today, we're praying for the spirit of wisdom and revelation, this high-definition antenna and decoder in our communication array that we have with the almighty God, the great I am, the creator of the universe, and and through the Holy Spirit, he brings revelation into sharp focus and even the ultimate revelation, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. God comes from heaven to earth to live with us. Ephesians 1, I'm gonna read it again. I keep asking the Lord, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. These verses are incredibly rich and the blessings and gifts and power that are poured out when we receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation. But our humility and reliance on God is vital. Vital to our receiving wisdom and revelation. And it works at all levels. The Holy Spirit through wisdom and revelation is what fuels the one who is excited to dig deeper into the word of God getting closer to Jesus every day. And it's one, and it's what brings clarity to the frustrated one. 
The one who has a hard time sorting out the confusing, surprising, and downright unbelievable parts. But the Holy Spirit is what brings it all into focus. And the Holy Spirit is what makes the Word of God relevant to the indifferent one. The one who wonders if there's anything that applies to them in this book. It's what assures them that God truly cares about their busy, overwhelming life. And it's what shows them there is a better way. So I'll ask this question once more, and I'm going to make it personal. Are you on the side of pride and self-sufficiency or on the side of lowly, needy, and childlike? God imparts as God's source wisdom and divine revelation when we are humble and reliant on him alone, our heavenly father. If we are feeling a little too comfortable, too self-sufficient, too proud, it's time to let that go. Make the decision. And maybe you're the one in the childlike category, and, and that's wonderful. You might not have thought as you were driving to church today, I want to be in the childlike category. But if you are, great. My challenge to you is this, is to go deeper. Read this book over and over. Seek out the heart of God and take on his heart as your own like David, a man after God's own heart. Seek God's guidance in your finances, your relationships, your family, your job, and any and all of your difficulties in every area of your life. There is no end to what the spirit of wisdom and revelation can reveal to a humble heart. Because a humble heart is a hearing heart. God doesn't want you to just have the knowledge that he created the universe and everything in it. His Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you that God created you for a specific purpose and he wants to reveal that to you. God doesn't want you to just have the knowledge that Jesus came to earth his Holy Spirit wants to reveal that Jesus came to shed his blood on the cross to provide forgiveness for you. And God doesn't want you to just have the knowledge that he is a holy God set apart. His Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you that he has called you to live a life of holiness set apart following his example. But we will miss all those revelations if our hearts are filled with pride. A humble heart is a hearing heart. So in the building or there at home, do you want to know God better? If you do, I'm going to ask you to stand right now. I'm going to pray for you in a moment, but what I want to ask you is how do you respond to God saying, they don't see a need for me. Do you? Do you see a need for God? If you do, tell him. Tell him right now. Tell him that you need him. Let him soften your heart. Open your eyes. The eyes of your heart. Perceive him. Open your ears. Understand him. Let's pray. Dear God, 
we pray for you to soften our hearts. Give us a humble heart with less pride and more humility. Recalibrate our sufficiency, our reliance. Let it be more of God-sufficiency and less self-sufficiency. Our stuff isn't going to save us. Our knowledge isn't going to save us. Our intelligence isn't going to save us. Only you can save us, God. God, give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Descend upon us right now. Pour it out into our, into our lives, into our homes, into this house, Lord God. To everyone who is within the sound of my voice, pour your spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know you better. We thank you for all of this. Your care and concern, your love for us. Thank you for sending your son Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that reveals to us who Jesus is. God in the flesh. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, friends, I have one more reminder. The prayer walk will be this Wednesday. Join us first in your cars, and then you will be, have an opportunity to walk around the ring road and pray. So as I sign off, I want to tell you all, read your Bible. Keep loving and worshiping God. Love others and tell everyone you know about Jesus. He really loves you, and so do I. So long from the platform. <laughs>